Hello, wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. Uh, I'm also Drive Time host every Tuesday and Wednesday right here uh, on Faith uh, Faith FM. Uh, thank you so much uh, for joining us. It's really wonderful uh, to be able to share with you, whether you're in your car right now or whether you're listening to us by the Faith FM app. Now, look, guys, if, um, if you're not aware that we've got a Faith FM app, it's really worth uh, picking up on. A lot of people don't actually realise that if they go to their favourite app store and do a search for Faith FM Australia you need to put the Australia in there otherwise you'll get American voices. Faith FM Australia uh, and download our app uh, to your mobile phone then you can listen to Faith FM when you're on your morning walk and the wonderful thing about doing that is that the reception is so much better because it comes to you straight through the uh, cell towers uh, rather uh, than through a radio waves. So look folks uh, please if you don't have uh, the uh, Faith FM app uh, on your phone, please uh, go to uh, your favourite app store and look for uh, do a search for uh, Faith FM Australia. You you'll really appreciate all our programs can be replayed. Uh, they're all on there in uh, in podcast form. Whether you like the breakfast show, whether you like uh, Drive Time, uh, whether you like any of our other shows, uh, you can listen to to every single one of them. Uh, this week. Uh, we're, uh, we're looking at the Bible, uh, manipulation and the rise of cults. Now, on Monday, Nick and Will uh, looked at uh, what is a cult? And then they also asked, how do I identify a cult? Yesterday we asked, uh, why do people join a cult? And today, we're going to look at charismatic leaders. Why is it that charismatic leaders are just so successful in what they do, and particularly in their impact on cults? Now, today, our co-host is Pastor David Butcher now, and David's the lead pastor of the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in South Oz. Welcome back to you, David. Very good to be here, Gary. I was not here last week. I was in meetings, but um, you did promote the Faith FM app, and uh, it is something that I use regularly because I don't get to listen to all the various shows I'd like to. I might be driving and I hear a program and I'm in the car for 10 or 15 minutes, and it's really good to be able to go back and with my app on my phone to go back and listen to a number of programs that I really enjoy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I find exactly the same thing, actually. In fact, I've got to go through and rename some of our programs, I notice, because some of our programs, I've been a little bit slack in actually naming some of the more recent, uh, some of the more recent programs. Uh, but look, summer is here. Isn't it fantastic? It is. Uh, my daughter, um, did the pinch and punch? She always gets in first. Well, I don't actually punch her, clearly, but, uh, she got in first this morning. And um, she yeah. hit she hit you. That that's oh, a, that is a beauty. She know, said, that... "Oh, Dad, last day of November, pinch punch, first day of the month," and that was fairly early this morning. So happens every month. It does. Well, that that that's lovely. That really is lovely. Yeah. No. Look, I really I got to admit, going out this morning and doing my walk, and uh, I was walking at about uh, six a.m. this morning, and uh, it was sitting at a, in the low twenties already, and I thought. Springtime is gone. Summer is here. Uh, the smell and the blossom was certainly in the trees. And, uh, you know, I, I was really able to rejoice as I went on my way this morning. It was 
It's a nice, uh, nice time to be a nice season to be living in, particularly early summer. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Now, David, look, look tell us something. Um, this is the season when uh, people in your role are looking for staff. Now, um, here in in South Australia, how is your staffing? actually coming up because your one of your jobs is actually to ensure that all the churches uh, the Seventh-day Adventist churches here in South Australia are adequately staffed. Uh, sometimes you have pastors move on. Uh, sometimes uh, other pastors come into the uh, state uh, to replace. Now, I'm conscious that COVID at the present time has resulted in you know some people wanting to uh, head home back to where family is. Uh, other people, you know, there's a little bit of a transition on uh, within the ministerial uh, ranks. Now, look, tell us, uh, how is staffing going here in South Australia? Really good question, Gary, and thank you. Look, I think it's really clear to state that unlike some uh, denominations that have a congregational model where the the local church leadership will essentially employ or appoint uh, a minister, um, and those ministers may be there for decades sometimes, and the way our system works is the the state office or etc. will will look at staffing right across all of the churches, mm. and uh, clearly we try and keep consistency and and not a lot of change, but. Um, in our system in the Seventh-day Adventist Church, um, after typically five years, um, a minister could be called from one region in Australia to another. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, look, um, we've lost um, – I shouldn't say we've lost. We've supported ministry in quite a number of other states for next year okay. um, with um, – yeah, sometimes – So we've lost – well, we've blessed, but uh, sometimes uh, ministers, um, you know, for a whole variety of reasons, and COVID, as you said, is really significant, uh, with border potential closures and people not being able to see family members, sometimes people want to be a lot closer to their broader family, uh, and at other times people have really felt the call of God, calling them to a position somewhere far away often, and we've experienced mm. that at this time of year. Okay, okay. Uh, are you finding it? How easy is it these days? Because I know that uh, some denominations really struggle to be able to get pastoral staffing. How are you finding that? Yeah, look, it's always a challenge. And um, I think I was speaking to someone the other day. I need to be careful how I'm going to say this. I'm so glad that... Um, when I first, when I proposed to my wife, I, I didn't get a knockback. It was just, you know, I, I, um, I said to Megan, you know, and in fact, I didn't even get to fully propose to her, okay, because she said <laughs> yes already. But, uh, pastoral staffing's a bit different. When you approach, um, other ministers in other states and you ask them, um, you know, would they uh, consider a call? Would they pray about it? And, and what their situation and circumstances and passions in ministry are. Um, invariably, you get a lot of people coming back and say, look, I don't feel the Holy yeah. Spirit calling me, or, or it's a no. Yeah. And so a lot of knockbacks, but didn't happen with my wife, which is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Dave, I'm, I'm really sure that I'm, I'm really conscious that at the present time we are getting this drift, you know, families wanting to relocate much closer uh, to, to each other because, you know, trying to cut across ch- state borders is becoming a, an increasing problem, and particularly when you've got elderly uh, family in other states, you know, you sort of say, hey, look, you know, I really want to be uh, closer to those, you know, to those individuals. And I, I really feel 
feel. I mean, my, my parents have passed away now, and uh, uh, but I certainly uh, understand the pain that uh, certainly people who have got family interstate uh, are certainly going through. And look, that, that is so real. And look, the other thing, Gary, I guess just to finish off on this, is that, um, yeah, it's, we've, we've got a really good team of ministers and uh, many of them have felt the call um, that God's calling them somewhere else. A number of them have. And um, so I praise God that uh, God doesn't have set parishes or boundaries. The whole planet is his is his is his field, yeah. his mission field. And so, yes, it causes um, additional uh, hours and all sorts of things, lots of phone calls and prayer, and that's really powerful, uh, to that whole faith walk with mm-hmm. prayer. But it also creates new opportunities where God, ha- he, he already knows mm-hmm. in advance um, mm-hmm. who needs to be where, and, and um, he knows who will accept a call somewhere else yeah. and who will yeah. take their place. Yeah. And so yeah. we need to thank God and just that whole trust thing. Yeah, yeah. Look, look. Just, just one other question on this whole staffing issue. How has South Australia been impacted? The uh, government down here, like in many states, has sort of said that uh, you know nursing and and teaching staff in particular have to be vaxxed, otherwise they can't be employed. Now, as a result, there are certainly some uh, individuals who've, who've who've said that you know we don't want to move ahead with the uh, vax with the vaccination. Have we been impacted at all? I mean, well, how significantly have we been impacted, our schools? Because we run three schools here in South Australia and we employ a significant number of teachers. Have we lost many teachers as a result? Yeah, so really good questions, Gary. And and clearly this is a sensitive topic because the government brings in mandates and um, because they believe this is a medical situation and, and that impacts certain industries or professions. So I believe that Tasmania and Queensland, at least of about a week and a half ago, were the only states that had not mandated it for education. Mm -hmm. Every other state has. And so how have we been impacted? I guess to be really frank, we don't know exactly yet because the mandate doesn't come into effect until... um, uh, yeah, I guess people in the education sector, not just teachers, but support staff, groundsmen, bus drivers, um, uh, canteen people, you name it. Anyone essentially that is employed or volunteers in a significant way on a school site. So that comes into effect on uh, midnight on the 10th of December. So mm-hmm. basically um, what the mandate is from the government is that people have had to um, uh, had their first vaccination, I believe, and show evidence of a second. Mm-hmm. And so we don't know the full impact. We've done some surveys, I guess, of uh, staff. Uh, and um, look, it won't be a significant number, but but every person is significant. Yeah. yeah so yeah. yeah, we employ and volunteers uh, basically almost three hundred. Uh, yeah. staff or volunteers in our schools. In our school That's system. not all teachers. Not all teachers. No. 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 And. Um, yeah, there's certainly, it would seem there are certainly a number of people that have chosen and, and um, you know, we need to honour that decision, but we also need to say, okay, how can we support them? How can we make sure that they know what all the options are? And as a Christian organisation, how can we how can we care for them as best we can? So, yeah, look, we have a team of people that are working with um, our school staff um, and listening, meeting, praying, um and making sure that they have, uh, they're informed and know of all the various options available. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, thank you for that, Dave. Look, let's come to our, our World Watch segment uh, because while we're on the subject of schools, I did actually stumble across an, an article. It actually came from the Brisbane Times on, on this particular occasion. And, um, 
on this uh, on this occasion the uh, the writer uh, the reporter was sharing on the uh, uh, on the current uh, uh, religious discrimination bill which of course is going to the Australian uh, <coughs> to the Australian parliament it says this the title religious schools must have written policy to discriminate in hiring under proposed laws And then the article goes on. Faith-based schools that want to reserve the right to discriminate against potential teaching hires will have to set out a public statement of their beliefs under proposed laws that critics say will entrench the power of religious groups to reject people based on sexuality and gender. Uh, The revised Religious Discrimination Bill gives uh, religious schools the right to positively discriminate in their employment practices and includes a clear statement of intention to override state laws, including those being pursued by the Victorian government, to restrict this very right. This allows schools to give a preference uh, in good faith to persons who, uh, who are hold or engage in particular religious belief or activity providing schools have publicly made available written policies outlining their position in relation to uh, religious beliefs and activities and how they're going to be enforced. It also states that religious bodies will not be discriminating against someone if they engage in conduct uh, that someone of the same faith could reasonably consider to be in accordance with the doctrines, tenets and beliefs and teachings of that particular religion. The bill has actually alarmed um, LGBTQ groups and some legal experts who say it will discriminate against great gay teachers and students. The um, Jacinta Collins, Executive Director of the National Catholic Education Commission, said that the issue of sacking gay teachers is actually a red herring. It's not relevant to this bill because it does not change any existing exemptions that are in the Sex Discrimination Act. Under these exemptions, religious schools can already lawfully discriminate against LGBT staff and students, including by sacking or expelling them. The bill doesn't change any of that, Miss Collins said. It codifies a right to religious freedom, which we should have codified a long time ago. Now, of course, this is a really difficult question, Dave, and I'm really, you know, I, I'd really appreciate your input on uh, on this uh, this particular issue. I mean, uh, firstly, um, why 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 do religious schools want a right uh, to be able to um, choose their staffing? This is uh, this is. This is what it comes down to, the right to be able to choose um, staff. Yeah, really good question. I think there are a number of things around this, Gary. Uh, This is um, a religious discrimination bill. And currently, I mean, there are are, uh, uh, laws already enacted uh, for discrimination against, um, you know, people of gender and also of... um, of sex and age and all these sort of sexual preference, etc. Uh, however, our laws are missing one against discrimination against religious beliefs. And now this is the real gap in the legislative framework, isn't it? It is. And so, and if you listen to some of the the um, the people on this that talk about this, this bill has been um, 
reduced or watered down, for want of a better term, uh, in what it seeks to do. And as you've read, that um, religious schools already have the ability to hire staff um, based on their faith teachings. Mm. And so this this bill, it seems, doesn't have anything really draconian in it or anything like that, and yet there is a push by certain elements in the community against it because... For, well, why would they? Maybe they don't want religious people to have any ability. They, in other words, this is reverse discrimination, if you like. Yeah. yeah. And um, there are two states, I believe, New South Wales and South Australia, that really don't have a lot of protections for religious freedom. Yeah, and that's the thing that I think that uh, many of us don't actually realise. In fact, uh, to me, I think that this could actually become a very significant issue at the time of the the next election because, uh, to me, I know that uh, I, I'm certainly encouraging uh, Christian and uh, Christian people uh, to actually be uh, more, uh, I suppose, inquiring uh, into uh, what uh, various politicians of whichever particular uh, colour. Uh, what they do actually believe. I, th- I think this is actually so important that we uh, have that uh, have the undergirding of people who are prepared to to stand on a um, on a principled uh, biblical standing. And look, absolutely. And my understanding, my memory, uh, taking me back to before the last federal election, I believe it was the federal Labor Party, um, brought in through their, through their, um, their mechanism, brought in, um, that basically everyone in the party had to be on board mm. with, um, you know, um, marriage equality. So they were able through their, their processes with their parliamentarians to say, hey, unless you're their members, unless you're actually on board with this, this is our party platform, yeah. you're going to be out of a position. Yeah. And there were some that stepped away because of their conscience on this and said, no, we don't agree with this, we're stepping down. So in essence, you have political parties that can choose that, hey, this is what we believe. If you want to be a, a member, if you want to have an elected seat, you have to be on board with this. Yeah. But yeah. there's this big push for religious institutions, places of faith, that, no, this isn't fair. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It was interesting, Gary, uh, this last Monday, Monday the 29th of November, on the Faith FM breakfast show, the morning show, it aired at 7 a.m. There was an interview there with the Faith FM breakfast This team. was a really significant interview. It was, and so I would really encourage people to get on the net and look up Faith FM or get the Faith FM app. Uh, it was uh, Monday the 29th of November, and, um, and this the was breakfast the breakfast show, show. Breakfast yeah. show uh, which began at 7am and it might, on the app it might be a day behind, it might be the Tuesday morning, I'm yeah. not sure. Yeah. But uh, this Monday, the 29th of November, uh, the breakfast team had on board Senator Michaela Cash, who's the Attorney General, mm-hmm. and uh, she came on to speak about this bill and the impact of the bill for the faith community in Australia. So it's really important that um, I believe that Christians are informed Mm-hmm. Um, while we as a denomination don't support, um, you know, wild protests or, or that sort of thing, we voters should be 
And citizens should be able to go up and people of faith go to their parliamentarian because they're there to represent them and say, what does your party believe on this topic? Show me your policy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you don't want to get sweet talk or or whatever. You want to actually see what their policies are on certain key issues. And it's when these questions are actually being asked of politicians that at that point their viewpoint can actually be adjusted at the time of the time of the election. I know that uh, myself one of the things that increasingly in, in more recent years I've started to do is rather than vote for any one particular party I'd ra- prefer to vote for an individual or individuals who stand for the values uh, that certainly uh, reflect where I'm actually at as an individual. Look absolutely and I know after the last federal election uh, the Labor Party Federal Labor Party did a review yeah. of um, you know they were expected to win it was a bit of a surprise or quite a surprise actually that the coalition got up and won the election and I'm not advocating for one party or the other but they did an internal review mm. of uh, of the election loss and one of the things that I read at the time when it came out was this uh, religious vote mm. that maybe that overlooked or not considered as yeah, they could have. Yeah, yeah. No, that's really significant. David, thank you so much for that. Really appreciate that uh, that feedback. Look, let's come to some music. This is uh, BJ Thomas. Uh, he's got it all in control on how much uh, we actually need that to be true today. BJ Thomas, he's got it all in control.
And that was BJ Thomas. He's got it all in control. And how true uh, that really is. You know, sometimes we overlook the power of the living God uh, because indeed he does have it uh, all in control. Uh, now, folks, look, uh, we do have uh, for you today a, a really beaut uh, giveaway book. Now, our giveaway book for all this week, actually, is the Bible Answers uh, Mega Book. Now, this is a, a really beaut book. It's, it's question and answer type format. It's got over 900 questions, biblical questions with biblical answers. You know, any question that, uh, you know, why does God allow pain and suffering in the world in which we live? Uh, the answers are in this particular book. Uh, guys, look, if you would like the uh, Bible Answers uh, mega book, uh, all you need to do is to text us uh, here at the studio. And look, we've only got five today. Uh, that's all we can uh, give away because this one's a little bit larger than the ones that we uh, normally are giving away. Uh, now, this one here is uh, available to you. Uh, please just text us uh, here at the studio. Our number is 04888 808 11. That number again is 04888 80811. That's the same number, uh, that's on the app. If you, uh, uh, have you missed that number and you want that number, uh, written down somewhere, just go and download the Faith FM app and look for the drive time, uh, symbol and, uh, you'll see on there, uh, that, uh, that number. Uh, that number again is 04888. 80811. And all you need to do is to send us the code SA27. And uh, uh, as soon as our uh, our robot, we call him Faithful, as soon as Bot uh, gets that uh, gets your message, uh, he'll contact you and he'll uh, ask for some information so that we can get that uh, book to you in the fastest possible way. So uh, the book again is Bible Answers Mega Book, uh, just SA twenty seven. Just text that to our uh, studio text number o four triple eight eight o eight eleven. Now you are listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary. Today our co-host is uh, Pastor David Butcher and David's the lead pastor for the Seventh-day Adventist Church uh, here in South Oz. Now this week we're looking at the Bible, manipulation and the rise of cults. On Monday, Nick and Will looked at what is a cult? Uh, and then they asked, how do I identify a cult? Yesterday, we asked, why do people join cults? And today, we're just simply going to ask, why are charismatic leaders, uh, people who are very effervescent, why are they so successful in leading cults? Now I remember it was back when uh, I was uh, I was living in uh, in far north Queensland up there in uh, in Townsville beautiful beautiful city that uh, that part of the part of the world uh, that uh, uh, I had uh, uh, a story was coming across uh, the the radio and uh, day by day we would listen to what was occurring in Waco Texas now this is a cult story if ever there was a cult story it was April 19 1993 I can't believe it was that long ago. A religious compound in Waco, Texas, went up in flames. It killed 75 people. What really did happen on that day? Well, the cult was actually called the Branch Davidians. They were actually a fundamentalist Christian group. Significantly, the leader, David Korish, had actually been a Seventh-day Adventist earlier 
in his life, but the Seventh-day Adventist Church had actually disfellowshipped him and moved him on. David Korish was the leader of that cult, and he believed that the apocalypse was coming, and he had convinced over a hundred people to hide out in his Waco compound. He used his position of power to manipulate his followers. To have He had sex with all the women in the group, and he abused the children. The FBI had evidence that the Branch Davidians were hoarding weapons inside their compound. They attempted to arrest Korish, uh, which led to a fatal shootout. That was followed then by a 51-day standoff. And I well remember listening to the news reports of this particular standoff. It just seemed it wasn't going to end. The fire was probably started from inside the building, but it might not have killed... That might not have been what killed the followers. Several of the bodies found had fatal gunshot and stabbing wounds. Most people believe that Korish refused to let his followers leave the burning compound because he didn't want to lose his position of power in the group right up to the very end. You know, when I read that story, I, I thought, David, wow, is it possible that uh, a group, that individuals would give that much authority to their leader that even in the face of death, they would, uh, they would not rebel against him? David, look, tell us, uh, tell us, you know, why are charismatic leaders just so successful in this whole cult formation thing? Really good topic, Gary, and really relevant. I remember just uh, reflecting. I went to school with a, a very um, up-and-coming young lady. Um, she was a couple of grades ahead of me in high school and um, really successful, doing really well at school. Her and her family moved to America. And then a number of years later, when this uh, Waco tragedy happened, um, I was reading things and she was one of the victims yeah. uh, that, that died in the fires. And uh, it's interesting that some of these people, I remember the Heaven's Gate cult where mm. there was that, I don't know if it was the Hale-Bopp comet that came mm. along and, and their leader, uh, Marshall Applewhite, I think his name was Applewhite, uh, believed that at the tail of the comet, behind the comet, sorry, um, they would be caught up and taken to paradise. And um, they committed suicide, basically, for this event to happen. And a number of the people involved in that, they, they were... Very intelligent people. Yeah, and that's the thing that really stumps Sands out at me because, you know, these are not people who are, you know, unskilled, unlearned, untrained. Uh, the, and I'm not trying to depreciate people who don't, haven't had the benefit of an education, but the people who have been a part of these groups, you know, yesterday we shared about celebrities, and I'm talking high level celebrities who have connected themselves uh, to uh, cultish groups. And so your question then, um, charismatic leaders, mm. and I think this is a key. Now, there is no problem in and of itself unless it's glorifying self. Some people have an air about them, a, a charisma, and I can think of one uh, young gentleman on our pastoral team we just had a pastoral retreat the other week and he's just um an effervescent character and and um when he speaks and he laughs and you get involved he he just has and along with others on our team as well there is nothing wrong with having a, a level of confidence not in self but also a level to be able to engage and and um all of those sorts of things however yeah. when that uh, charisma uh, becomes um, dominant when it is focused on self, and I would suggest narcissistic. Mm. Um, 
that's when we see problems because this is what happened with Satan or Lucifer in heaven. Yeah. Um, narcissism uh, ex- essentially is an extreme self-involvement to the degree that it makes a person ignore the needs of those around them. Yeah. And so everything centers on the leader. Yeah. On yeah. the individual. And ultimately, everyone that gets involved is to build up that individual, their um, personal sense of worth, their well-being. They seek power. They seek authority. And so this is when we have problems. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the thing that, uh, you know, we, we sort of look at and we have huge respect uh, for uh, leaders that, uh, you know, are strong and and dominant in, in many, many areas. But those same attributes can actually be an incredible negative as well. They can be. And, and this is the danger of any spiritual leader. And I guess, um, you know, we're talking Christian, Christian leaders at the moment, but any spiritual leader... Um, Seeing themselves higher than others, Jesus was about servant leadership, but also when they see themselves ultimately, when they become so full of themselves that it all revolves around themselves, they see themselves either equal or higher than God. Now, they may not state it that way. Yeah, but that's yeah. how it ends up, and that and that I think is a good way of putting it. You know, I'm so conscious, David, that sometimes you know I've I've listened occasionally to some of the television evangelists that uh, that come on television, and uh, uh, just the, uh, the the presentation that we actually find uh, starts to make real bells ring in in my head uh, because hey uh, this is almost uh, this is so over the top this isn't taking people back to the word of God you know uh, to me one of the things I'm so conscious of David is that uh, as, a, as a Christian pastor my job is not to actually bring people to myself but rather it's to direct people to Jesus Christ and to the word of God. Absolutely. And, and one of the beautiful things from the Protestant Reformation in the 15th and 16th centuries was the concept of the priesthood of all believers. Yeah. That the, the priest on earth, instead of everything focusing on him or cardinals or popes, we have a high priest in heaven. Yeah. So when any human being, whether it's a Christian minister of any denomination, yeah. Or of other faith elevates themselves rather than servant leadership. That's when problems can begin because that's what happened to Satan in heaven. Uh, indeed, indeed. And that is probably one of the best illustrations. But yeah. Yeah, Gary. So it's interesting, you know, faith groups are susceptible because um, whether it's Christian or otherwise, because uh, essentially people are longing and looking for something better and they want to give faith. They want to think well of of people and individuals, correct? Mm -hmm. And so um, it's interesting in Matthew 7, Jesus says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. Mm. So in Jesus' time, he talks about this. And you might recall when Jesus, um, uh, sorry, was in Acts, when um, the disciples were brought before the, the ruling council, the Sanhedrin and the priests, etc., um, uh, Gamaliel. Mm. steps up and he talks about other uprisings and other people that came along and claimed to be something and he said most all of that basically came to nothing yeah so in the biblical times and jesus in matthew 7 just like we've read talks about um people coming in looking and appearing as though they're sheep Uh, in other words spiritual leaders they're safe uh, we can trust them, but instead they are not. Mm. And so, look, I think there are a number of traits that um, may typify various cults or cult-like leaders. And essentially, I think the first one is a spiritual abuser. 
Mm-hmm. Now, what, what, what do you mean by that? Good question. Um, this is not someone who simply teaches false doctrines, but by teaching false doctrines and twisting them, they seek to intimately control and abuse the lives of, of their followers. Mm-hmm. So we can have spiritual abuse. You know, God will never forgive you. You might, and you know, this could be an example. Yeah, yeah. If, if you do this, you'll burn in hell eternally. Now, there is an element of truth to some things, right? The Bible does speak about the fires of hell. It does speak about some things. But when that is used to manipulate people, yeah, yeah. Uh, then there can be severe problems. So the, the cult leader with spiritual abuse um, may come in, he may separate family members, he may end up destroying marriages um, where individuals uh, basically have removed from them Remove from them the ability to make decisions, key decisions for themselves. It's Mm -hmm. all got to go through the leader. And the cult leader is obsessed with manipulating and controlling the followers through authoritative leadership and coercive techniques. Okay. Okay. And we see stories of this. I've read articles uh, recently on spiritual abuse and cultish Mm -hmm. leaders. So that's one thing, spiritual abuse. And Jesus never did this. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, there was something very beautiful in the in the entire scriptures, and that's this gift of freedom that a God gave to humanity at the very beginning, and God Himself calls people, woos people through his spirit to come to himself. He pleads with them to come to himself, but the decision is always left to the individual, and the individual is always free to go in a different direction. And it's all motivated by love, isn't it? That's why it's free will and free choice. So, yeah, they don't up... uh, Charismatic leaders that end up into cults, the leader ends up being obsessed with authority and with power. They also, as I said, twist the scriptures for personal gain. And that's what Jesus is referring to in Matthew 7. Um, They look like sheep, but they're ravenous wolves. Mm. And, um, yeah, these people... How do I... David, it's really important, I think, that on that particular issue that uh, that we really point out that it is so important that I actually study... For myself, you know, I, I really believe the Book of Acts, where it talks about the Bereans being more noble than those at Thessalonica, because they checked out all the things that Paul himself was was actually preaching and teaching. And you know, to me, somebody as significant as Paul, I would say, hey, look, you know, surely we can just simply trust what Paul. Did. Look, he's a wonderful theologian, he's a wonderful theologian, the great evangelist, the great evangelist. Surely we can trust him. Uh, but there, he actually commends them and says, "You've done the good thing because you've actually checked out." Out. And, you know, we're actually living in a world today where that is something that is actually not occurring. You know, it is so easy to go onto the Internet uh, to pick up a, you know, a YouTube clip of uh, some inspiring speaker and uh, then uh, without actually rationally considering what they're actually saying to simply adopt what they've said. That's exactly right. And, and um it's it's really dangerous because Paul to the Bereans there in Acts 17, as you said, he's, he's commending them. And this is another thing from the Protestant Reformation. The scriptures were withheld from the, the general person on the streets. In yeah. fact, they were banned. Yeah. And they had to rely on the word from the priest, the word of God from the priest. Whereas 
God has given us his word for everyone that they can yeah, understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so this is another thing, twisting the scriptures. And Second Peter 2, 3 says, And in their greed they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. So they exploit people with false words and twisting the scriptures. Now, mm. who do we know from scripture who else did that? Um, who twists it? That's yeah. a satanic, um, a satanic issue. Absolutely. Um, they're in the tree in the Garden of Eden. Indeed. Uh, Lucifer or Satan through the serpent. Did God really say? Twisting the words of God mm. that you can't eat from this tree. What about Jesus in Matthew 4 in the wilderness? After he's baptized, he's driven by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness where he's there for 40 days and 40 nights. He's fasting. He's praying. He's at a physically weak point, not eating, not drinking. Mm. And the devil comes to him. If you are the son of God. Yeah. You yeah. can turn these stones into just, bread. Just one word was enough, yeah. wasn't it? A, the word if, yeah. Just, yeah. But he also twisted scripture, didn't he, with some of yeah. the other uh, potential. Um, he used script- scripture, quoted it, but misquoted. Yeah. And so Jesus responded, and this is one of the answers we'll get to at the end. Jesus responded to these questions by quoting scripture. He knew scripture. Yeah, indeed, indeed. And you know, that, that really is an excellent example for us to follow today, uh, rather than listening to, you know, one of the YouTube clips to be actually spending time reading the word of God is, is such an important part of the Christian Christian life. But guys, look, let's come to some music. Uh, this is the Daywind uh, Singers. Uh, Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Just to take him at his word Just to rest upon his promise Just to know the safe the Savior, friend. 
That's the day when singers, uh, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, uh, how true uh, that really is. Uh, folks, we do have that uh, free giveaway book. Uh, we do have just one or two more uh, left for uh, today. Uh, the uh, giveaway book today is the Bible uh, Bible Answers uh, Mega Book. Uh, this is a, a book that just uh, it's got its Q and A question and answers uh, uh, questions like you know what's got to allow bad things to happen to good people and it'll give you some scriptural uh, background and some scriptural answers to that question and so many more. I think there's over 900 questions uh, actually being responded to. If you'd like a copy of uh, Bible Answers uh, Mega Book, uh, then uh, please just text us here at the studio. Uh, our text number is 04888 808 11. That number again is 04888 808 11. And all you need to do is to text us the uh, uh, the code SA27. And uh, our good friend, uh, the robot uh, called Faithful, uh, he will uh, he'll contact uh, contact you, uh, ask you a few questions so that we can get this uh, book to you in the fastest uh, possible way. Uh, that number 04888. 80811 uh, and that code is SA27. Uh, you are listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary. Today our co-host is uh, Pastor David Butcher and uh, and uh, David is the uh, uh, the president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in uh, here in South Australia. This week we're looking at the Bible manipulation and the rise of cults. On Monday, Nick and Will I looked at what is a cult and how do I identify a cult? Yesterday we asked, why do people join a cult today? Why are charismatic leaders just so successful? David, really appreciate what you've actually been sharing so far. Look, are there, is there, are there any other guidelines we should be watch out for? Look, there are, Gary, and this is not an exhaustive, uh, exhaustive list, but uh, let me give you another few. Another one is um, these charismatic cult leaders are often narcissistic and they have uh, this incredible sense of self. They basically ultimately believe they were born to be better than others. Um, in fact, some of them often believe they are tempted to believe that nobody can actually be better than them. So it's this... Inward looking and, and not considering others and exalting mm-hmm. oneself, if you like. And, um, 
often this leads to um, this high authority and position, um, which is almost exclusively godlike, if you, if you like. It's an authoritarian style of leadership. You know, I, I sort of think of, you know, David Koresh, you know, with our, with the Branch Davidians in Waco there, you know, expecting uh, sexual favours from all the uh, young ladies in the, in the group. You know, as, as I look at that, I say, hey, you know, that is so far from uh, what is scriptural as to be beyond a joke. And look, Gary, you, you, you touched on another one there, that they often take sexual advantage of their members. And often this is through initiation methods. Often it's to divide um, spouses by doing this, and it's a method of control. Mm. And um, clearly this is immoral. It's not biblical. But people are led to such a state that um, they slip away from whatever truth, whatever truth there may be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, really, that's that, that is actually so so true there, uh, David. Uh, look, um, anything else? Yeah, look, absolutely, Gary. So they use superficial charm and charisma, and this is one of the dangers. We've talked about charisma. They are very good at sensing other people's weaknesses, their needs, and their desires. And I think sometimes that's why we see some of these high profile personalities caught up in cults. Yeah. Outwardly, they look like they've had got it all together, but sometimes there are weaknesses, if you like, which we all have, and these are exploited mm. by these charismatic mm. leaders. Um, inwardly, uh, cultic leaders uh, really crave attention and recognition from their members. Um, therefore, they use charm um, to, to gain trust, but ultimately, it's all about themselves. Mm. Another key one, Gary, is that they feel uh, they well let me rephrase that they don't have the ability to sense guilt or remorse okay okay in other words because they are the authority figure they are the ones who are able to lay down the expectations and uh, therefore a guilt and remorse is something that others should feel and not something that they particularly feel absolutely they they don't often feel any sense of wrong for destroying marriages or for exploiting people or abusing their members um, they're usually proud and arrogant to the core but on the surface, they will exude charm yeah. and care. So no real guilt or remorse for their sinful behavior. And First Timothy 4, 1-2 says this, Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter time some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience, listen to this, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. Yeah. In other yeah. words, they lose uh, the ability to have remorse. That's actually quite frightening when that happens, isn't it? Because, you know, within Scripture, there's a thing called the unpardonable sin. And, you know, that is actually very close to exactly what the unpardonable sin is. When the Holy Spirit cannot actually get through to me any longer, the Holy Spirit starts to withdraw himself from the individual, and all of a sudden uh, that individual becomes nothing more but than a law unto themselves. Because they've shut themselves off. Because they've shut themselves off. And look, uh, cultic leaders are pathological liars, Gary. Lying and deceit is part of their inbuilt nature and culture. They're full of hypocrisy. Deception is the mode and... Uh, modus operandi that they, they function with. And it reminds me of Jesus' words to the religious leaders in his day. In John eight forty four. he says, mm. you are of your father the devil, mm. who was a liar from the beginning. Yeah, yeah, And that's yeah. how Satan influenced people. Exactly, exactly, yeah. We talked about authoritarian leadership style, Gary. 
Um, we talked about um, these leaders often take sexual advantage of their members. And I was only reading a story this last week of um, on the media of an ex-Defence Force personnel that started up uh, something like this on a small scale. Mm-hmm. Um, cult leaders lack boundaries and they exploit weaknesses. We've said yeah. that. Yeah. Um, they have a form of godliness. They often talk scripture, but they twist it, but they deny its power, 2 Timothy 3, 5. But they're always looking for weaknesses in their members David, look, look, I'm just wondering. Now, look, you know, I'm conscious that we do have to come to the point of, uh, you know, bringing this this all together because we are going to, to finish in just a, just a few minutes. But look, how can I avoid being dragged into this strange world of cults? I mean, is there any way that I can can not be dragged into this? Yeah, look, absolutely. One is like the Bereans, looking at the Word of God rather than just taking in the words of any human being, even if they're a religious leader. First yeah. uh, John 4, 1, the apostle there says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So we need to test what people say with the word of God and with the scriptures. And Jesus in Matthew 7, and I read one of these verses at the beginning, but he says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. Wow. So Jesus is saying, do their actions, does their leadership style, the authoritarian, their craving for attention and pride and all of this, does this match with the word of God. You'll know them by the word of God, test yeah, everything, but yeah. you'll also know them by their actions. Yeah. And, and David, look, this is something that in the uh, era in which we're living today is actually so key. Do you know, I, I'm so conscious that increasingly uh, people are saying, uh, for example, and, and it sounds good on the surface, you know, just Jesus is, is on the surface. But, do you know, in uh, Matthew chapter 24, what Christ says is that false Christs are going to come. Now, uh, to me, this is actually really, really important that we understand. How am I to identify the true Christ from the false Christ? Do I want to have uh, just Christ in my life? Yes, most certainly I do. Most certainly I do want that, so long as the Christ that is in my life is, in fact, the Christ of the Scriptures. And this is the warning that Christ presents to his disciples in Matthew chapter 24. And it is ever so relevant, isn't it? And, and But this is not new. Because uh, God, through Isaiah the prophet, in the Old Testament, 700 years before Jesus, said this in chapter 8, verse 20, to the law and to the testimony, in other words, to to all of the writings, the biblical writings, if they do not speak according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. So essentially, Gary, um, when we uphold Jesus, when we compare Jesus to these cult leaders, there is a stark contrast. It is night and day. Jesus didn't come to promote himself. He came to do the will of the Father. He didn't come to uplift himself. He uh, He basically said, you know, I do my Father's will. Yeah. Jesus yeah. was one of 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 coming to give free choice. Uh, yeah. He desires all yeah. men and women to come to repentance. But 
and he's long-suffering, but he gives us that freedom of choice. You know, David, I'm so conscious that we're actually coming up to the time when people are going to be establishing New Year's resolutions. Just a month down the road, all the New Year's resolutions are going to come out. Most of them don't last very long, but, you know, some of them do stay, some of them do stick. And one of the things I'm just really conscious of is that there's no better resolution than to say, hey, I am going to read my scriptures daily. I'm going to study my way uh, through a portion of the Word of God. I'm going to devote myself to understanding what Jesus was teaching for the day and age in which we're living. And this is critical because we're living in times of uncertainty and fear, but as a believer, we can have that certainty. Paul to the young minister Titus, he said this in uh, verse 16 of chapter 1 of Titus. He said, Uh, of false teachers. He said, they profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. So again, the message is you will know them by their fruit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How, How can you know? How can you have that measuring? What is the measuring stick? It's the word of God. Yeah, yeah. No, thank you for that, David. That's really, really good. Look, guys, uh, let's, let's bow our heads together for prayer because I'd love, love to pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we just come to you right now. I want to say thank you for being the almighty God. Lord, thank you for giving us exceedingly great and precious promises. Uh, Lord, thank you uh, for giving us the gift of your Holy Spirit. Spirit. Thank you for giving us Jesus Christ. And Lord, thank you so much for giving us your word. Uh, Lord, I, I just pray. Uh, that indeed we might come so close to you that we're able to identify through your spirit a truth from error. We might understand your word uh, so clearly that we know when uh, when uh, truth is being presented and when error is being submitted. Uh, Lord, we just give ourselves again to you at this time and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, folks, it does look like our, our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Pastor David Butcher on Drive Time, big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when Pastor Fabiano and Pastor Hugh Heenan uh, will be looking at the question, what does God want, does God want believers to withdraw from society? Really look forward uh, to seeing you. But until then, please remember, Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you. This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.